Hello Jumbo Podcast! Welcome to another episode of the Halal Travel Podcast. You're listening to me, Hazira, Rada, and Nurul. We hope you're well and that you've been enjoying our episode so far. Also, welcome to another season of the Halal Travel Podcast. Um, basically, on this season, it's going to be a lot more different than the previous one. We're going to have people on board in our podcast a lot more. Um, but today is a very exciting day because we have a couple all the way from New York and they yes, and they are from uh, they are Adnan and Samia. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. We're super excited. Assalamu alaikum guys. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Welcome salam. First of all, how about you introduce yourself first? Well, I'll let my wife speak first, ladies first, so <laughs> go ahead Samia. Okay. Um so we've been married now in October for 10 years. Yes, alhamdulillah. Wow, congratulations. Thank you for hitting a milestone here. Um, yes. So yeah, we got married in October and it all started mm-hmm. with our little honeymoon trip, which was like a month long. And a lot of people wow. were fascinated and oh, excited wow. about that. And we just um, started with pictures and videos for our friends and family, like very close family. We were just mm-hmm. telling them and showing them what we were doing on a day-to-day basis. And that first flight was our Delta flight. I can never forget. Apart mm-hmm. from that, I am working as a teacher in the Board of Education. I am a special education mm-hmm. teacher. I teach math and science in middle school. We also do charity work. We have a nonprofit organization called Active Goodwill. And Alhamdulillah, whenever we travel, we are able to help. That is a big blessing. And... Um, yeah, we work as a team, and thankfully for Adnan's work, we've been able to travel for quite a time. So yeah, alhamdulillah. Uh, so you started out. Um, you have this account called Halal Trip USA, right? Yes. Okay, what's that all about? So we started, um, as Samia mentioned, under AdnanSamia.com, and we started sharing our uh, travel experiences from for friends and family. And next thing you know, it started growing and people started asking, hey, how can we travel in a halal friendly manner? So that's mm-hmm. how we started with the next venture called Halal Tourism USA. And then basically merging it with you guys with Halal Trip USA and, and then focusing and growing so that the Muslim travelers can appreciate and enjoy um, uh, you know, knowing how they can actually go and travel in a halal-friendly uh, manner. So you mentioned you just celebrated 10 years, 10 years of blissful marriage. How old is Halal Tourism USA? Like, was it since you first um, started as well? It's no, actually, so we started traveling uh, 2010. And I believe 2012 is when we started the Halal Tourism USA and since then, we've been uh, basically contributing over there and growing the base. Um, so one thing that uh, we've always been um, envy or rather like, oh, wow, they could do that. <laughs> is that is about you traveling on first class. Mm. Right? Yes. Um, so tell us about these things that we don't get to experience. <laughs> I can tell you about my first leave. time. Let us live vicariously through you. Yes, please. Please share. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you're not know. the only one that says that. Like, we live through your pictures and videos. And 
it's nice that you know someone can explore through our videos and pictures especially mm. because we know a lot of people that never go outside of new york so it's kind of a blessing and it, it feels nice mm, yep. to hear that but i remember the first time i went on first class was on my honeymoon trip we were in delta first class and never Ooh. in my life did i ever think that i was sitting first class because you know i was always in an economy and we always had the pre-packaged meals the plastic utensils mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and when i sat and they brought out breakfast i was like wow this is a glass <laughs> this is real silver utensil this is a bowl i'm getting like fresh yogurt i was so impressed and adnan's just sitting there laughing at me looking at me but he was just so mesmerized at how shocked i was i was like this is so yeah. cool and as the years went on that's so cool i was just accustomed to it i mean i did take it for granted yeah. after that but i'm like oh my god it was such a blessing and i look back at it i'm like that first initial reaction that I had, I can never forget till this day. Now, subhanAllah, mm -hmm. like we go to these apartments and these chairs and all these little features that they have. I feel like a little girl sitting at that chair and pressing all of these buttons. And sometimes <laughs> I still don't know what it's for, especially with the new yeah. Singapore airline. I was like, what's this for? And I'm like, chair was rotating like 360 she's like oh, yeah. ma'am that chair is for rotating and i'm just like turning around and the air host is standing behind me i'm like this is so cool <laughs> that is that's actually the is that isn't it the highest level of um first class yes the, the, uh, the new singapore point. suites and the etihad apartment they are the highest yeah uh, level yes. wow <laughs> it's like a room is it yeah like it, a is. Room. it is it is a room it's like a it's probably equivalent to a New York bedroom studio apartment. Studio apartment, yes. honestly, wow. like that oh airplane space. So yes. Yeah. So, do you feel when you're in that sort of room? Do you still feel like you're flying, or you just? Oh just yeah, feel you feel like, like you're, you're flying, especially yeah. when there's turbulence. <laughs> when I'm laying that. down, I'm just like tumbling in my bed. And I feel it. <laughs> but if it's smooth sailing, it's wow. just so amazing how much detail they give to it and right. how much comfort and how nice they are. And in economy, I'm just sitting there with my legs up. I'm just like, oh my God, this is so exhausting. But in first class, <laughs> it's a blessing. It really is. It is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I cannot thank Allah enough for us being in that And being able to experience being that. Able to, yeah. yeah. So it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I felt so uh, good, especially the first time when I took her. And that was a Delta, like, you know, that's as low uh, class of first class you can ever get and she was just I was like wow I'm the man you know like I just I don't know what I did I mean this is nothing but Alhamdulillah you know and then and you you don't realize it until you experience it and when we go for uh, uh, you know pleasure trips we don't really take on those first class trips because we feel it's just a waste of money I mean you can't spend twenty thousand dollars on a ticket. I so, would never. Yeah, she would not allow it. And we, we, we don't feel comfortable because we feel like, you know, we can utilize that money towards a better cause or towards giving mm -hmm. something. Yeah. So we usually travel uh, like if I'm traveling for work, so my work is paying for it, but then I'll get her on my miles. Yeah. So I'll reach mm -hmm. out to the airline personally because the airlines do not allow you to have uh, do, they don't give more than two award seats every flight. So if somebody has already booked one and it's hard to get the second one. So usually, especially in first class, they sometimes have maybe one award seat because the first class has like maybe six or eight seats available. So they don't like giving out award seats. So Alhamdulillah, you know, when we can, 
uh, we, we utilize the miles uh, to fly for free, basically. And it also depends on what airline. Yes. If it's an American one, I wouldn't want to upgrade. Honestly, it's not worth <laughs> it's it. Not worth it. It's not it? worth it. It's not. I mean, uh, their their first class is Wait, like is uh, premium economy uh, for um, Singapore Airlines. Yeah, okay. I think after the initial travels, like I didn't know at first, but like shortly after that, I was able to compare which is better, like the Gulf countries, how their airlines are, how Americans are, and how the Asian South Line um, airlines are. It's very different. The mm -hmm. hospitality, the services, the people. It's a world mm -hmm. of a difference. Yeah, there is a huge wow. difference between North American first class airlines and obviously international airlines such as Singapore, Etihad, Emirates, Cathay Pacific, uh, a sky and a moon difference. I mean, uh, and then one of the reason uh, American United and Delta, they actually lobbied for like past six years to ban Etihad, Emirates and Qatar Airways from coming and taking more routes like meaning coming in and landing in more cities like Dallas or Chicago, Orlando, mm -hmm. because people are choosing that airline to fly compared to their own. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's been going on for about past six years. Mm -hmm. The uh, American Airlines, Delta Airlines, United, they do not like um, uh, Middle Eastern Airlines solely because they're losing business because more people are willing to fly economy in Middle Eastern Airlines because they get more services, more money right. for the, you know. Yeah. More money. Right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, so if you were to ask us to go on a first class um, ride, which <laughs> airline would I go to? <laughs> this is tough. I'm like down to two, honestly. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm down to two. Oh, okay. that's awesome. I, uh, so I like Etihad apartment. Yeah. And the other one I would go with is Singapore Suites. Yes, Singapore Suites, hands down. Go Singapore. Yeah. Singapore is just <laughs> hands down. So the new Singapore Suites is a sky and a moon difference. However, based on the both of them, I would go with Etihad apartment. Why? Because they have a shower suite that you can use. Oh. She yeah. prefers Singapore Suites because... You know, you, you, um, there, there are a lot more features in it, but the shower is missing. And I just like the ability to fly 40,000 up in the air and be able to take a shower. But I mean, it does help though. Mm. I yeah. remember going to London from New York and it's about a five to six hour flight, which is not too long. No, we were going for Abu Dhabi. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah Abu Dhabi. And, um, I was seeing my family after a very long time. The shower helps. You know how people walk out of the airplane looking all fresh and nice? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have like yeah. a little vanity where I can like fix uh, up my makeup and stuff like that. So you can tell who's been flying on first class and who hasn't been flying on first class. Coming out of the You come up with a whole new outfit, huh? Yeah. Oh. Like I, came, I went in, in my pajamas and I came out all fresh. Wow. <laughs> face powdered lipstick everything <laughs> how does it work actually like to get to a shower like can you just like enter and then like oh so or do you, you have, have turns? to um okay so first of all the shower is only five minutes long and they <laughs> yes. time oh. you and um <laughs> the timer is in the shower so you can tell how much time you have left it's like a green light so as soon as one minute goes, you have four lights left, three lights, and so on and so forth. Mm. But you have to ah, tell I the see. person, okay. the air hostess, yeah. that you want to take a shower, and they'll put you in a time slot. And they'll let you know, oh. like, okay, it's your time to uh -huh. shower now. And they'll go inside with you. They'll explain everything, the emergency features, the hot, the cold, how to shut the door, what to do, wow. and how much time you have. 
and um, they'll explain everything and they'll let you be for five minutes. Well, not for five minutes. They give you a 30 minute Precious uh, window. Precious five minutes, yeah. Uh, the shower is within five <laughs> minutes, yeah. But you can request more. So I've taken more time. So they'll come in and readjust and give me another five minutes. You were lucky. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you could do that. I just. Oh, there is, oh. If, there is if someone is not behind you, right? Uh, yeah, but they will still give it to you because they have, there's no choice. <laughs> You're telling them because that they yeah. <laughs> still have soap in my hair. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't mind because the thing is the half an hour slot is enough, more than enough time for you to take the shower and, and do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Cool, huh? It is, it is. kind of want to. And they give you like kind of pajamas, the amenities, now. the slippers. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have all of that. I love the pajama sets that they give. The pajamas. Do you get to keep the pajamas? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you keep the amenity kits, you keep the pajamas, oh. the slippers. And Singapore, they gave us a candle. Oh. First time I saw a candle, I was like, oh, wow. Candle? Yes, yeah. real nice scented candles that you can take home. And it's pretty cool. And their amenity kits are actually Too better fancy. than the other airlines. I loved mine the last time I went. It was like a baby pink bag with a zip and it had a candle inside mm-hmm. with a lip balm mm-hmm. and the facial toners and everything. It was so nice. And and Samia actually looked up one of those facial toners and it turned out to be like $80 or $60. Yeah, so it's not cheap, the stuff that they give Mm -hmm. you inside. It's pretty good. It's pretty neat. So use it while you can and then that's it. Tell us a bit more about the places you've traveled. Like, what's the go-to destination for you? Go-to. For me, it's Mexico. I love Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I love Mexico. I was this close to actually getting a vacation property, but Samia was like, no, we are not buying a property in a third world country (laughs) where money can, you know, they can take over your properties and whatnot. But it's a Mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful Mm -hmm. place. If you guys ever go, I would definitely recommend Hyatt Zilara, Andes, Playa del Carmen. Those two properties are really, really nice. And it's close by. It is close by. It's about Mm -hmm. four hour flight from here. Um, Samia, which one do you like? Not from here. Oh, yeah. Over there. <laughs> it's far. Honestly, um, I don't have what like a you? favorite. I feel like every country has its uniqueness. They have something special mm. to offer. And it hasn't been where I fell in love with like just one place. Yeah. Really? No, I, I like I genuinely, every place I've gone to, I just really liked it because each place is different. Mm-hmm. Like that when I true. go to mm-hmm. Singapore, I love mm-hmm. that it's so close to all the different spots. It's so close in proximity. It's like you go 10, mm-hmm. 15 minutes, you're at Changi. You go to 15 minutes, you're at the trees and you go another 15 minutes, yeah. you're elsewhere. So it's very close. <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. Mm-hmm. Like historically, Cuba was very different. Yes. It was so surreal to see all of those cars, vintage cars. Yeah. Cuba is a destination mm-hmm. you are thrown back into 1950s, literally. It's because mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, blockade the Americans had created for them. Yeah. Uh, everything is like 1950s, 1960s. It's beautiful. They don't. They, they don't even have smartphones. None of the people have smartphones. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as 4G or 3G there. Uh, mm-hmm. Now they're building it, but uh, when we had went, there was nothing. Yeah. But like, you know, like as Muslim Americans, Malaysia was so hospitable and convenient yeah. in the sense where it had masjids, halal food, mm-hmm. and just the culture and the vibe. It felt very comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like an mm-hmm. um, outsider per se. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that really kind of like if I had a place where I would want to retire, I would probably pick Malaysia because it's like amazing to just like, you know, um, and then you don't really um, feel like an outsider. Like she said, that's yeah. that's a beautiful yeah. place to, to be in. Yeah, food is easy, right? Oh. Food, you can just. Anywhere and everywhere. Like, even for us Singaporeans, we go. Like, yeah. it's like an hour away. You just hop over and you're there. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. there either. It's pretty good. <laughs> That's like, probably like equivalent of Mexico when you say it's nearby to Singapore. <laughs> for us. <laughs> Except Mexico is Mexico. Yeah. True. I've always wondered, like, um, since you guys say you guys travel to Cuba, Mexico, and a lot more places, I've always wondered how you eat halal. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys like go vegetarian? <laughs> we do what? actually go vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I remember on our honeymoon, yeah. we were in Jamaica for three weeks. Yes. We didn't have anything except seafood and beans. Exactly. We like, oh my God, beans. Yes. yes. And we didn't get beans until like the second week. So we didn't, we were just like craving. And then as soon as we landed back into New York, we're like, can we please have some chicken kebabs? And my father bought some <laughs> while he picked us up at the airport. And he's like, here you yeah. go. And Adnan <laughs> finished that whole plate on the car ride home. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, that was hard. But um, yes. other places, yeah. we went to Japan. At that time, it wasn't halal friendly. So it was very hard yeah. to find um, halal food. But now it's very different. And also the language barrier. It was very difficult to tell the people... Mm-hmm what we wanted and we don't eat pork and we don't want gelatin or alcohol or wine in our food it was difficult so we stuck with like sandwiches and pizza yeah in in japan in china we had friends there yes and they took us to amazing halal restaurants and they have really nice Nice. mustard there especially in beijing huge muslim population so it was very easy to get food there in Cuba, it was very difficult to find halal food, even though we found a very nice Muslim population there with the masjid there. But because their food is cooked in pork a lot, we had to be very mm-hmm. careful, very careful. Mm-hmm. And we actually met a um, a sister who was mm-hmm. a revert, and she helped us out a lot. Yes. And till nice. this day, we keep in touch with her. That's nice. Yep. Wow, that's nice. I've always um, loved it if I were to meet someone overseas. Or like while on my travel, I always find it so nice to have a fellow traveler, you know, yeah. and still keep in touch. It's, it's till nice today. to have that bond, you know. I mean, we met her in Cuba, and then we met her in Australia. Mm. So it was amazing. And then we have some friends that we meet in our trips, and we keep in touch with them. We have them on Facebook. We have them on Instagram. You know, we'll say, "Hey, hello, how are you?" And just kind of, even though we don't have conversations per se, like on a day-to-day yep. or every other month. But we kind of still know what's happening in each other's life. Yeah. Just through their pictures and their posts, we're well aware. And we're always wishing them well, and they're wishing us well. And it's nice to have that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like low-maintenance um, friendships. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> okay, so like since you say like you went vegetarian for almost three weeks in Nigeria... Right, Jamaica. Jamaica. Oh, Jamaica. Sorry, sorry. 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 We have to go to Nigeria. Yeah, Nigeria. Jamaica. So, um, so going vegetarian is a lot more. It's a lot more. Um, you do that quite often whenever you're traveling, right? Yes. So, does that experience traveling actually compensate for like the struggle in terms of like 
halal food. It does. I mean, because um, I, I, I'm really into making sure what I'm eating is not compromised because there are certain places where you would go and they, you know, like, for example, we had that incident with the Chevy's refried mm. beans. This now, was in New York. This was in New York. Uh, and, 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 you know, it happens in other places as well. So what refried beans mean is being cooked with pork. Oh. Yes. And we oh. had no idea. Yeah, so we had ordered everything. Yeah. The food was in front of us. And the, the general manager was in the corner of the restaurant. He kept looking. And then uh, he came up to us and he asked us. He's like, are you Muslim? We're like, alhamdulillah, of course we're Muslim. And he said to us, this food that you ordered, this is refried beans. We're like, yeah, it's beans. He's like, no, it has pork in it. I was just so shocked. I just, I, I started tearing. Yep. I started tearing because like, I make sure everything I eat is halal. You know, yeah. we're having yeah. the ability. Why not? And then he's like, no, 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 it's okay. I'll order something else for you. And then he really compensated for it. But yeah, that's because he was Muslim and he realized. So these are things exactly. that we, uh, we, we learn right. and experience. So you have to be very careful. And we, even when we are outside, Samia is somewhat hesitant, but I asked the person, I'm like, can you give me your halal certifications? Can you give me this? And sometimes people have their halal certifications that are three, four years old. And uh, we just don't say nothing to them. But then we opt for a seafood option or a vegetarian option. This happened in Dusit Thani in Thailand. I remember mm -hmm. we went into the restaurant and they said it's halal. And I said, are you sure? And they said, yes, we can bring you the certificate. I said, bring it. And I was like, bring it. And as soon as they showed me the certificate, I was like, I want a lamb shank. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm glad I did. It was so good. Yeah. I, I yeah, still yeah. stick to my seafood option. I just missed out. No. I don't know. She she's not as cautious as me, but listen, she, if you give me a certificate and it says halal and I have I'm heart content, I will eat it. If no. but if my heart is not content, I will not eat it. No. Me, I, I, I just have to have mm -hmm. I don't know, it just doesn't sit well with me. So I have to feel it inside, a gut feeling, you know, but at the end of the day, it's okay. He missed the lamb mm -hmm. shank. That's all I'm going to say. Do you feel like, I mean, personally for me, I, I think we had, we talked about this before in our past episode, like when we actually travel to a destination, we, we want to try their kind of local food, but like obviously the halal version of it. Um, like you know Mexico probably has like amazing food um, you know Cuba probably has like amazing local food it's just like um, we always find it like a bit of a uh, a waste to kind of like not be able to to really taste um, you know what the local food is like just because you know there are some um, because of the ingredients that they use but I mean Alhamdulillah now like you said Japan now has come a long way so now I mean it's opening up a lot more so you do get to try local Japanese food when you go there and we we also hope in the future that we could try the same in you know other destinations like Mexico Cuba yeah it is true I mean it kind of sucks we can't have like the street food or the render food and those are usually yeah. the best spots to have the food exactly mm -hmm. exactly yeah we do miss out but I mean, initially, even in New York, growing up in America, like we knew our parents had told us, like, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. So we were kind of used mm -hmm. to it and accustomed to it. Like, OK, oh, we can't eat right. this. We're not supposed to eat this. But subhanAllah, now everywhere in New York, it's like so many halal spots and it's everywhere. But growing up in New York mm -hmm. schools, public schools, 
Yes. We didn't eat the hot dogs. We didn't eat the burgers. Mm -hmm. We didn't eat the other food. We would stick to our fish burgers and pizzas every Mm. day. So I guess we got used to it. Yeah, actually, this is very, very true because in Singapore, I think we are very, very privileged to have a lot of um, halal food options like our McDonald's halal, our Burger King's halal. So a lot of things are halal. And the fact that we live in Mm -hmm. this environment, it's a bit difficult to get out of a comfort zone to go to like places that are are, are very, very small Muslim community. So it takes a while, I guess, for Muslims to travel out of like the Asian Asian region. Yeah. It's true. We we take it for granted sometimes. We we can't have the McDonald's burgers, Burger King, Popeyes, mm-hmm. you know, the Shake Shacks. None of that. It's yeah. not halal. And um even when our friend said KFC is halal and we went there, we asked for the certificate. It was three years old. And I'm like, that's not halal, honey. That's expired. But when we went to Dubai, the first thing, like as soon as we land in the airport, we're like, where's the fast food? You know, and we're like running to their fast food spots and to the place, and we thoroughly enjoy it in the yeah. other countries when we can. But over here now, there's yeah. so many other halal spots that have opened McDonald-like burgers or Popeye-like mm-hmm. chicken. Yeah. So we don't feel it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But back yeah. when we were growing, we were younger. Up, yeah. They were. We would always wonder, how does that burger taste? Like, wow, that. Looks we still can't eat hot dogs because. <laughs> We feel, I mean, now they have halal hot dogs. Our nieces, they eat it. Mm-hmm. We have friends, their children, they eat it. But because we grew up and we were told, this is haram, this is haram. Yeah, we have like this mental block. Oh. So me and Adnan don't eat cold cuts. We don't we eat hot dogs. Yeah. Because growing oh. up, there wasn't any halal cold cuts yes. or hot dogs. So we had that like mm. mental block, like, okay, we can't eat this. But now our nieces mm-hmm. and nephews eat it. They're like, oh, try it, auntie. And I'm like, mm, no, I don't want it. And then she's like, oh, try the cold cut. It's so yummy. I'm like, eh, this is too salty. I can't have it. <laughs> but if we grew up with it when we were younger, we would probably eat it. But yeah. I'm like, I guess yeah. it's good we didn't eat that. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, we'd be so super obese. <laughs> Especially me. <laughs> kind of limited <laughs> our intake. Yes. So, uh, interestingly, um, I did an interview with Hijab Globetrotter. Do you know her? Yes. Hijab Globetrotter. Uh, I've heard she of, would yes. probably know. I, I don't. I came across her on Instagram. Yeah. So, basically, I was doing an interview with her and she said that, you know what? Um, do you know that New York is one of the best places to find halal food? Because you have everything there. Yeah, <laughs> I was so surprised yeah. because I would think that, you know, America wouldn't have a lot of halal food. It would, be, it would still be difficult. But turns out, she said there's everything that's Mexican, there is um, Middle Eastern, there are yes. so many cuisines that are now halal. That's the beauty of New York because it's so diverse. We have yeah. so much diversity mm-hmm. in New York that we now have halal Korean food. We have halal Mexican food. We have mm-hmm. halal Chinese it's everywhere. Like every other block you go to in the city, you could find a halal spot. And the other thing is a lot of American restaurants are now converting their uh, halal. I mean, the I mean, American restaurants are actually picking and buying halal meats like uh, high end premium steaks to cater to Muslim communities. Mm-hmm. So 
but there is a conflict that is going on right now that the community is facing because mm -hmm. uh, American restaurants are now trying to milk on the uh, halal uh, food industry. So what they're doing is basically they're saying, hey, you know, we will buy these halal steaks, but then they'll also have pork chops uh, and other uh, non-halal meat. And the marination is on the same grill, this and that. But certain Muslim mm -hmm. communities, they're like, oh, my God, it's halal. Let's go eat. But they don't realize in the back end, there's only one kitchen, one grill. You have pork mm -hmm. being made in the same place. Yeah. So that, there's a big dilemma going on. That's where we as Muslims have to do our research. We can't trust anyone yeah. and everyone um, blindly. You know, we have to we call restaurants. We find out if they have the same grill. They tell us if their meat products and their pork products are being cooked on the same grill. Because if their juices are flowing into our halal meat, then that halal meat is yeah. no longer halal now. And it comes down to your faith. How strong are you in your faith? Are you able to resist that? Or like, no, I want to have that juicy steak. And now we're in this new food kind of era where we're like, oh, where's the next halal spot? We need to have that food. Mm -hmm. We need to have this food. But we have to be cautious also about what we're intaking and if the space is actually halal. And now a lot of halal restaurants are doing zabiha halal. Yeah. And they're being very keen on that. So a lot of Muslim people are like, do we just eat halal food or do we just eat zabiha halal food? But growing up, mm -hmm. there was no sense of zabiha halal, right? There was just halal food. But now they're having that in the market. So a lot of people are feeling comfortable with that. And now you have organic halal food. So they're yeah. saying mm -hmm. it's not halal, but it's organic and it's mm -hmm. uh, cut in a good way it's clean and this is what islam says yeah. so there's a lot of fine lines and gray lines where you as a muslim has to do their research talk to the sheikh if you need to you know have your hearts content and then go that way so you have to be very mm -hmm. careful these days so what zabiya halal means so in america what is going on is the demand is going higher so they have uh, slaughterhouses that are cutting with machine and a recording going on so that's called halal food so the other one is zabiya halal where you actually have a butcher a muslim butcher who is actually cutting the meat properly and saying the words by himself instead of a machine playing it so that's oh, the two man. things so so be, you know when we grew up there was no such thing like this because the demand wasn't there now you have uh maybe over 500 halal restaurants in just the five boroughs compared to maybe 10 halal restaurants 10 years ago. So the demand mm -hmm. is growing and people are like, hey, you know what? It's okay to cut it through machine and let it go and, and, and whatnot. So there's a lot right. of things uh, um, uh, that are that are happening. And I feel like, you know, as Muslims, we need to make sure that we protect mm -hmm. our culture, our values mm -hmm. and religion, yeah. you know, obviously. Muslim. So I think that what you say is really true because it relies a lot on our faith. Um, I think these days, I think Muslims have been, like in general, even I have been really adventurous, um, experimenting, like to see like, can am I able to eat, am I able to eat plant-based food, even though it's not halal certified? Or like, even if the restaurant is not halal certified, can I eat their ice cream per se? You know, I feel like mm. sometimes, mm. yeah, we have to be really careful. Um, like, I don't know, I think... It's Maybe like Burger King's um, Impossible Burger. Yes. Right? <laughs> and they said, oh, it yeah. has no meat. But then they found out that it has meat flavor in it. And a lot mm -hmm. of vegans were upset. A lot of vegans. Yeah. And then um, they went back and they changed their ingredients. And now I think they actually have an Impossible Burger. It's completely vegan. No meat-based powders or anything. 
but because of the huge vegan community here and the vegetarian community, there's a lot of um, implications and restrictions that restaurants have to follow. Well, this summer, they actually had another issue with Burger King Impossible Burger. So once they did that, right, the next issue was a lot of people internally were saying they're cooking the meat, the Impossible uh, Burger patties with the same place where mm. they have the chicken, the beef and mm -hmm. the pork. Yeah. So the vegans are very upset about that, too. But what are you going to do? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Like a lot of things we can just... Um, see on the surface level but it takes the real effort to see like what goes behind the doors yeah that's where yeah. research yeah. research comes in hey remember yeah. that incident with the singapore airline where we actually had to just eat the noodles because oh she God, told yes. us so tell we were going from new york yep. tell us oh lord so this long <laughs> flight of ours um 18 hour did, flight we did request it yeah we requested it you could tell. You could tell. so we had requested a, a vegetarian and seafood option meal. So we had requested a vegetarian seafood option meal and um, the flight attendant knew that we are vegetarian. We just tell them that, hey, we're vegetarian. So she actually said, um, you know, this uh, noodles, this vegetarian noodles, the broth is pork. Oh, yeah, it was pork broth based um, noodles. The only reason she knew is because she eats that stuff and she's like, you know, I just want to let you know, are you okay with that? I'm like, no, we're full vegetarian. You know, I'm not telling them yeah. anything yeah. about halal and this and that. So she was like, oh, um, then she ended up eating just the noodles. They were very dry noodles. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my God, it's not cool. It's not cool. It's, imagine coming from Japan on rice yeah. and fruit. Oh, yes. <laughs> they forgot something happened. We always request vegetarian meals, especially yeah. if we know the food's not halal. And coming back from Japan to New York is a very long flight. And yep. I was so hungry. Mind you, we were in business. Yes, we were. We were in business. And she's like, do you want to eat anything? You haven't ate. I feel bad. And I looked through the menu and I said, yeah, I'll have um, plain white rice with fruit. She's like, are you sure? I said, yes. <laughs> and I was like, Adnan, we're sitting in business class, you know, yeah. and I'm eating fruits and rice because I am so mm -hmm. hungry. But, you know, I just had to do what I had to do. We just couldn't do anything. But don't they have, don't they have halal, uh, like Muslim, Muslim meals? Food. Like at least on some airlines. They AAL do. didn't have it that day. Uh, no, they, uh, we had ordered the vegetarian option, but they didn't, uh, they forgot to load it up or whatnot or whatever it was. And they didn't have any in economy as well for the vegetarian. So it was... Oh, uh, Singapore Airlines. Japan Airlines. You don't... That was Japan. That was Japan. But before right. Singapore oh, Airlines Japan forgot Airlines. to okay. uh, bring in our um, uh, meal options that we had requested, special meal option. But it's good to know that their vegetarian noodle has pork broth in it. I mean, that was something surprising for us. Yeah, those little things we really have to make sure about. Like, yeah. I don't know how else we would make sure if... The air hostess didn't tell us. Yeah. But like times like these, um, you know, I think it, the, it happens for a reason. But like, Alhamdulillah, there was someone there to stop yeah, you. And, yeah. And you appreciate, you know, that someone actually is aware that you are Muslim and you can and cannot eat something. That's true. Um, That's when you know God so, is really watching over you, right? They send like this angel yeah. through them and like through that person, we're able to know and we don't have our meal. Yeah, but I th also think, like, it's a privilege that you wear the hijab so she knows that you're Muslim. Yes. That's true. Like, if we were to imagine, like, someone who doesn't wear the hijab, who looks just like anyone else. <laughs> that is absolutely 100% true. 
Maybe if Ainan was alone, probably. You know? Yeah, even yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. in New York, he saw me wearing a hijab and he came over and yeah. he asked me. But yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Okay, so um, we want to know what are the most memorable encounters during one of your trips? Like a, an experience that you can never forget. That's a lot of years. Uh, <laughs> do you have any that really stand out? Um... Well, my Delta one was one. That was another that was the first one I spoke one. about. I can yeah. never forget that. Uh, for me, the best part I had was when we first went to Umrah. Mm. That was a very memorable experience. I cannot forget that. That's a very spiritual experience. Yes. Like, you know how people tell you the feeling and the, the way yeah. your heart feels? It's so true. And not until you go there, because I heard so many stories, but when you actually are there and your feet hit the ground, it's a very different feeling. And honestly, it took us, you know, we we've been traveling three to four hundred thousand miles every year since we've been married. And every one of us, including my family and her family, used to tell us, like, why don't you guys go for Umrah? Why don't you guys go for Umrah? And sometimes we would plan it and it would get canceled. It wasn't mm-hmm. meant for uh, us to be there at that time. And eight years into our marriage, 2000, no, seven years, 2017, we first went all together. And yeah. it That's was... That's when you know it's Allah's calling. You know, when it's meant to be, it's meant to be, no matter how many times yeah. you try. Yeah. And honestly, since then, we've been, Alhamdulillah, I've had five Umrahs together. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I just want to go mm-hmm. again and again now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. The feeling is crazy. Um I really enjoyed Medina because I feel yes. like in Mecca it's a bit more hectic. It is. I don't know why. Cause no, you're right. I felt the same way. Oh, thank God. I thought I was being sinful. No, it's true. <laughs> like, I felt that the first time I went, we went directly to Mecca first and we did our Umrah mm-hmm. and it was very hustle bustle mm-hmm. and very like you have to do some hardcore ibadah and that just the spiritual feeling just kind of pours out of your heart yeah. the first time you see the Kaaba. And then when you're in Medina, you feel a sense of like calmness mm-hmm. and a sense of relief that, you know, you've been there, you came here, you did what you needed to do, you made your dua, and now you can just do your ibadah at your time with ease. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's very different. Medina is very peaceful and Makkah is, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to describe it in words, but. Yeah, it's, it's a hustle bustle. The Halal Travel Podcast is brought to you by Halal Trip. Halal Trip is an online travel platform catered to the needs of Muslim travelers. This is the place to go for Halal Travel info to help you plan your next trip. On Halal Trip, we create content like articles, videos, and even free travel guides just for you. So on our website, you'll find places to go, nearest prayer spaces, and of course, Halal restaurants. Also, did you know that we have the world's first ever in-flight calculator? Now visit our website at halaltrip.com for more information. Download our app available on both Google Play and of course, App Store. Also, we also saw that on your previous Umrah um, trip, you went on Saudi Airlines? Yes. Was it? Yes. And you guys also had the chance to perform your prayers in a space, correct? Yes. In a prayer space. How did it how did it feel like? Because 
there were a lot of concerns with like um praying in airplanes because of the turbulence and like when you're not in your seat etc so how does it feel like um they let you know and they have the direction of the qibla in front of the airplane the whole time I mean, of course, when there's turbulence or anything of this sort, the captain, you know, makes the an announcement and you can't go when the air hostess is really um, good with that and she lets you know. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you have such a long trip that you're able to make your prayer with ease and the, um, the brothers go first and then they um, have the space for the sisters and mm-hmm. the sisters are able to perform their prayer and it's pretty good. It's um, very accommodating, very helpful, actually. Yeah. One of the things that How I like about Saudi space? Airlines, uh, it's about uh, nine seats. Three, oh, three, three. three. Yeah, nine, nine, nine seat space. It's pretty oh, big. Okay. They sacrifice the space so that we as Muslims can enjoy it and then do our yeah. prayers. So it's pretty good. I mean, it would make sense mm-hmm. too. You're going to Saudi, you have to pray on the airplane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I imagine it to be just one space for one person at a time. So like I was wondering mm-hmm. like when we would end, but it's like you can actually do. They actually, actually have like a little jamaat, right? Yeah. The, you, the you, brothers have like uh, a little jamaat, and then I'm like, hey, why nice. can't the sisters have it? They're like there's not enough space. In the <laughs> <laughs> and then the sisters go in afterwards. Right. Nice. Apart from the spiritual trip, which one else? I would say for me. Uh, Zanzibar was quite memorable. I was just going to say Africa, South. Zan- uh, when we also went to um, Cape Town. Cape Town. Yeah, that was, that was nice. Mm-hmm. When we were driving through the mountains, and our driver told us, he's like, "Oh, all the way down there, you see that spot?" We're like, "Yeah." He's like, "That's a Mazar," and that's a Urdu word. And I'm like, "Wait, what? Really? Mm-hmm. You guys have that down here?" He's like, "Yeah." People mm-hmm. say that maybe because of the blessings of prayers, that the water never tipped over. I mean, it's all Allah's will, of course. Yeah. But it was just interesting to see the different dynamics of the Muslim community there and then the Muslim community in New York and what resonates in between with the Pakistani culture. Yeah, the for me, it was a trip to Zanzibar. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Zanzibar. Mm. Zanzibar. Wow. So it took us 48 hours, three flights to get there because I had a meeting and we mm-hmm. stayed there for 22 hours and then we flew back. And that was something really nice because we actually enjoyed it. Me and Samia, we... Uh, beautiful. Right? Beautiful place. Beautiful. We stayed at a heritage hotel um, mm-hmm. and um, I had a two-hour meeting there. And then, it was very quick. And then the rest of the time, we were just enjoying and having fun within mm-hmm. that 22 hours. 22 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why 22 hours only? Uh, because I had to go to my next meeting and uh, that was all <laughs> the calls. <laughs> and I wanted to take her with me. <laughs> I wanted to take her with me and she was actually upset later on. That's why it was more memorable because she enjoyed it so much. She's like, we flew right. 40 plus hours to stay 22 hours and then oh. go fly another 20 plus hours. <laughs> she was not I happy. wanted to stay longer. That's yeah. why. Just just let him go on his meeting. Yeah, right. I just stay there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in 20 hours. You know, but the thing is that sometimes short trips uh they are a lot more enjoyable than long that's ones that's true you remember because you more. you feel the rush yeah 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 mm. and he, like apart from like his work trips spiritual trips when we did trips for our ngo like when we went to greece we went to turkey and bangladesh to help out that was mm-hmm. that will always remember yes especially when we went to greece and when mm. we saw what was happening in the papers and we saw what was happening on the shorelines and when we actually went there and we saw the life jackets and the lifeboats, it really mm-hmm. hit home. 
And mm-hmm. when we were going into these abandoned streets where um, Syrian refugees were making their homes, it, it just humbles you. It really humbles yeah. you. And you really learn to appreciate what you have and what you don't have and are so fortunate because of, you know, these families are losing their loved ones. And it just kind of turns your world in a way where you just, you're just grateful for what you have. Yeah. Especially when we it's went really to the camps. Amazing. Yeah. When we yeah. went to the camps in, in Bangladesh is just, no matter how much you do, you always feel like there could have been more, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but there's only so much we could do. And it's just sad to see their conditions and hear about what happens to them. Yeah. And knowing that their condition still stands like it is today. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we're progressing with our life, but they're still mm-hmm. in that hut. Yeah. yeah. I also, um, I mean, there was some news regarding like Greece and how um, there are people at the shorelines with their left uh, life jackets and everything. I think it really, it just got to me how um, Greece is having this kind of issues as of now. And I didn't know that this was something that has been going on. Yeah, so I think it's really fortunate that you get to see all this firsthand, um, you know, um, all the, the refugees and everything. So tell us more about your charity foundation, charity organization. Okay, so um, Active Goodwill, we started with um, in 2013. 13. And at first it was just friends and family who were donating and we did local causes. And then soon mm-hmm. we had um, projects that required more and we paid a lot out of pocket. And then I we decided like we have to kind of make this on a platform where we're letting other people know so we can get help because it was more than just us two. So Alhamdulillah, we came across a lot of people who were helping for free. Uh, we came across a brother in Boston who helped us for free. He helped us re-ramp our website. Uh, even our accountant, accountant our lawyers for free. Out. Yeah, they help us out. And we're able to do these uh, grassroots projects and go there firsthand and help them out all with no overhead cost. And everyone that comes to us and they give this donation, they know that everything we give you is going to go to them. Nothing is going to go overhead. And a lot of people like that idea. And mashallah, it grew from there. It really grew a lot. Mm -hmm. And we were able to do and collect so much and help out a lot of families. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I like where a lot of people feel comfortable with Act of Goodwill um, they, they see that, you know, we don't do any marketing. We don't even have mm-hmm. business cards, no printing, no office costs, nothing. And whatever we collect, we collect digitally. That means everything is online. Everything is linked to a project so that the person who is receiving the money or the person who is donating the money can see all of it coming in. And then we provide mm-hmm. proof of that fund being utilized. Uh, either we're sending the money or we're personally giving it out, whatever it is. Alhamdulillah, it has worked and, you know, uh, more and more people are interested in and being part. So we're all volunteers, you know, so for any cause or whatever, there's no management fee. There's no nothing like that. Yeah. And subhanAllah, anytime we went overseas, like when we went to Puerto Rico, Greece, Turkey or Bangladesh, we found people on ground like at the last minute. And it's Mm -hmm. amazing how things work because we've communicated with them and we've made connections with them. And it's like, oh, we're going. Does anyone know anyone? We need someone's help. And people come quick. And we're so surprised because even when we went to Puerto Rico, flight was booked. We purchased all the material, but we didn't know anyone there. Mm -hmm. And 
same thing in New Zealand. We didn't have oh, yeah. anyone, but then at the last minute, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just sends down an angel and we're like, oh, okay, your the brother is there. Just meet him, call him, he'll see you, he'll pick you up and he'll help you. We're like, oh, thank God. So when you do good, truly the door is open for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. How do you guys actually find um, people, like the community actually? Like, who do you contact? Like, for example, if I were to go to, let's say, Thailand, who do I contact to, you know, to meet the community and see what I can do? How do you do that? So we actually contact people here. Like, for example, when we were looking to go to uh, Puerto Rico because they had that uh, hurricane and everything was a disaster zone, we contacted a few people here. And one of us, an American person, introduced us to a church member who is located over there and they actually let us stay in their house they were like no you're not staying in a hotel you're going to stay with us and we had no idea who they were yeah but because i felt comfortable with my friend knowing that he knows mm -hmm. him so and then they took us to the church and we helped out through that uh when we went for christ church uh mosque um in we contacted in new zealand we contacted people here hey listen we want to help out the mosque of christ church and people that were affected mm -hmm. So an Indonesian imam, Imam Shamsi Ali, he helped us. He said, hey, I'll guide you to this person. And that person picked us up, took us and really helped ensure that we did everything the right way. Um, same thing uh, when we go to uh, Malaysia, the orphanage. Yeah. Um, you know, I reached out to a few friends and one of my friends from LinkedIn that I've never met. They said, hey, I can get you in touch with the orphanage. And they've got me in touch with the principal who set up the ride for pickup for us to come from the hotel. And then we went in and we did what we needed to do. So Alhamdulillah, like, you know, it's just that um, we put it out and we so far have never had a problem coming across someone where we wanted to go. It was always we put it out. And we get a response within the week. Yeah. We've and, been fortunate enough for and, that. And if we, if we do big projects like going to Rohingya refugees or the Syrian refugees, then, we, then I make a contact to the State Department. And I tell them, like, look, you know, we're going to be taking cash or we're going to be taking certain items. How can we help? What, who is a point of contact where we feel comfortable? And they help us with certain point of contacts as well. And then we move forward with them. It's really nice what you guys are doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's really amazing what you guys are doing. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people now, they are kind of traveling for humanitarian causes also. So it's really nice that you guys are already pioneering these um, types of travel. Travel, So we travel while doing humanitarian work. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, this is this is a, a big thing. Uh, a lot of organizations are now doing it. They're calling it travel for a good cause or, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatnot. And actually, one of the is because of this, we got featured in uh, New York Wire magazine as uh, top 20 influential people. And they actually asked us, they're like, hey, uh, you guys travel and you go and help people. I'm like, yeah, we do that. And they're like, what do you do? How do you do it? And we say we use miles for our travel trip because we don't like to, you know, whatever money we can save, we give it towards the cost. And they're like, can you send mm -hmm. us proof of your award tickets and this and that? And we did that and, yeah. and they featured us. They're like, wow, this is legit. And um, Alhamdulillah, you know, it, it's it's a good thing. You know, like we, we feel like as Muslims, we need to give back. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. You put good into the world and good will come to you. So even if it's like a trip that we do for pleasure, 
we try to take out a day and even if it's for like a couple of hours, we'll try to find an orphanage and just help out in whatever way we can. And subhanAllah, mm-hmm. sometimes it happens that we're overseas and we'll quickly run a campaign. We'll raise a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars within a day. We use that fund and we help out the people in need. So we're strong believers of that, that, you know, you do good and good comes to you in many mm-hmm. forms. That is something that we should all like... Aspire to do. Yeah, aspire to do. Do good and then good will come back to you. But don't like expect it. Don't do it for just like, oh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, I want her to help me. That's why I'm going to help her. No, it doesn't work like that, guys. (laughs) Just do it for the sake of Allah and you do it for your content heart and everything else will fall into place. Yeah, I think helping others will also make your heart feel a lot better. Yes. Good. It feels so yeah, good. It feels like when great. you go out and when you buy things for little girls and you see the smiles on their faces, it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. It's nice. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, so we have come to the end of this podcast. Thank you once again um, for agreeing to come on board. Of course. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It was yeah, wonderful th- talking to you girls. <laughs> thank you for having us. It was wonderful seeing you all again. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's been a while since we last saw Adnan in Singapore. <laughs> Inshallah, I'm, uh, I'm planning to come again, hopefully soon. So uh, let's see. Okay, the coronavirus. Inshallah, inshallah. She doesn't want to travel during that. I told her, I said, listen, can we go to Malaysia for Dorian? And she's like, nope, we're not going to Malaysia for Dorian. In Malaysia. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Also, we pray that um, Allah give you so much riziki so that you'll be able to help others. Inshallah. I mean, especially I mean. on your charity organization. Inshallah. I mean. Inshallah. I mean. <laughs> Jazakallah. Jazakallah. Keep us in your duas and we will keep you in ours. Yes. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Say bye. 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 Alright guys, thanks for listening. So we'll see you on the next episode. Don't forget to give us a shout out on anchor.fm slash the Halal Travel Podcast. Your voice message could be featured in our next episode. Yup, and if you have any advertising and collaboration opportunities, contact us at info at halaltrip.com. That's I-N-F-O at H-A-L-A-L-T-R-I-P dot com. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Halal Trip. We're also now on Telegram and TikTok. Until next time, get inspired, go and inspire others.